Hey, this is Ollie, and welcome to The Body Reset. This podcast is being built to help career-driven professionals and business owners intelligently upgrade their body, energy, and personal performance in the modern world. I want to help uncover some of the core concepts, beliefs, and frameworks that we've used with thousands of clients to navigate health and performance as we age. If you want more like this, simply subscribe so you never miss the newest episode. What are the best weight training exercises for beginners? Uh, I asked this question inside our free Facebook group yesterday, and this was one of the questions that was a really good one, and so many other questions really stemmed off this. So I want to dive into this, give a really thorough answer around what I believe are the best exercises to start with after working with thousands and thousands of clients, helping hundreds of coaches, and fundamentally really enjoying and nerding out on training for a very long time. Uh, if you're new to following us, my name's Ollie. I'm the founder of Body Reset, and over the last decade, uh, I've had an obsession with making sure people feel great, they move well, they feel well, and they can do it for a really long time. And weight training is one of those areas that when we once we start to look at optimizing for strength, fitness, energy, and time long-term really becomes the backbone of moving into a space of aging well, making sure the joints are happy, we're stimulating the muscles, and uh, our body overall is feeling mobile, uh, strong, and um, able to, I guess, capable to be able to do the things you want to do on a day-to-day basis. So what I'm going to do is really optimize my questions towards that as a focus point, rather than just focusing on strength and nothing else. I want to optimize my answer towards you want a body to be able to do cool stuff. You want to be able to run, bike, hike, move, get off the the seat easily, uh, pick up your grandkids, go through your walk day without your body hindering or holding you back. That's what I want weight training to really do. And as much as I think it's physical, I think you get more benefits mental as well. But where we're going to start, all the tangents aside, what do those exercises really look like? So the four I'm going to give you here are not going to be massive compound movements and, and myopically focused on strength. Why? Because I think the main issue that we run into when we're looking at weight training is that we naturally already have muscles that are strong and muscles that are weak, meaning our body's naturally going to take over with muscles that have always done the work, probably our shoulders, maybe our quads, and those muscles that never really do the work, like maybe our lats and some of the back muscles, maybe our glutes or our hamstrings, they never get to do the work, right? And being able to bring awareness to how you move and how to correct movement really fundamentally should be your first focus, really to build a proper foundation to make sure you, one, you get the most results out of training, but two, you don't get injured along the way. So this is why my answers aren't just a bench squat and deadlift. They are much more focused around muscle, not movement. And I think with our thought process around training, that's very much foundationally what it is, is how do we make sure that we can contract muscles and get the most out of them and keep those joints happy? And that becomes a significant shift that I think will serve you long term. So the five exercises I want to give you here are going to be one, the cable row. And the reason I bring this up is because it really highlights for a lot of people that there's a lack of stability in their scapula. So if you're listening to this on a podcast, the focus here should be thinking about tucking your shoulder blade into your back pocket, really wrapping the shoulder blade back and down. Being able to really focus on that back and down, tucking the shoulder blade back puts you in a position where if you're driving your arm into your side, we're starting to ultimately you start to feel like you have better posture. And this really ties into this whole space of creating stability of your shoulder blade is really going to impact everything in your upper body. So this is why I'm not doing your bicep curls and your shoulder press. You can absolutely add these in. But if we can master a cable row and how you contract those main muscles in your back, then you're in so much better position to make sure everything else is working properly. So first one is a cable row. 
The second one is going to be a standard push-up. Now, depending on your current strength levels, this could be something you simply do against a wall, right? So you're only putting 20% of your body weight on your hands, or you can do it right on the floor and go straight into a full one. Whatever one feels best for you, we want to make sure that we're going, we're not simply focusing on just pushing the, uh, the body away from the floor. What I want to focus on here is really continue to emphasize the stability of your back and really being able to rewire your brain around how we are trying to stabilize the movement, not just crank out reps. Because your goal in phase one here is to make sure that you're moving well. You're correcting how your body has naturally moved for a very long time. And one thing I want to really pick up here uh, through all of these exercises is it's unnatural to 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 isolate a muscle, right? The goal here is to very much find the muscles a week and get them stronger. If you just let your body do its thing, it's not gonna do that. It's gonna keep putting weight on your strength. So maybe your shoulder, maybe your tricep. It's not gonna put tension on your chest unless you direct it there. So by being able to consciously take awareness of that's the ability to stabilize, the ability to slow down really becomes a, a skill to be learned. And this is why this does take time. So why do I use a push-up rather than a, a chest press or something where you're pushing dumbbells away? It's because you you don't have a bench or something against your back. So you can focus on retracting your shoulder blades and really thinking about this movement very much as a back exercise as much as it is a chest one, certainly in these early spaces. So by being able to focus on the one-arm row, get those lats working, starting to feel some muscles in your back, and then following that up with a push-up, it allows you to continue to think about those muscles in your back, retracting those shoulder blades down as you come into a push-up. That's going to be a fantastic way for chest and back to really focus on that stability of the upper body. Third exercise is going to be our hip thrust. Now the reason I want to add this in here is from all the people I've worked with, I'm going to put about 95% of them in the space of having weak glutes. This means you have uh, probably a sore lower back, maybe you have a little bit of extra tension on your knees, and ultimately your glutes are not working. So by putting you in a hip thrust, this is a really easy way to fire up those muscles. Uh, I can add a bunch of links so you know exactly what these look like. I won't go through technique now because that's a whole other video in itself. But by being able to focus on driving up and squeezing the glutes in this particular position, you're getting that muscle fully short. Now, unless that's really emphasized on a day-to-day -day basis, this is not usually a position that most people contract into. And this is why our glutes are super weak, we don't feel them, and we tend to be a lot more quad dominant. Now, not only is it the muscle imbalances that start to come through, over time this becomes very much a foundation for hip and knee wear and tear long-term. And I can tell you without a shadow of a doubt, every single client that I've worked with that's had a knee operational or is looking at one has weak glutes, right? So by being able to build these muscles back up, it allows us to focus on really re-strengthening that lower body and taking that pressure off those precious joints. So hip thrust is number three. Number four is our classic squat. Now I'm gonna put this fourth uh, because I'm putting this in order of where I'd like you to start because by focusing on glutes, by waking up those muscles, this will primarily change the way, hopefully, the way you squat. Now again, I'll throw a video below of how to do a squat, what that should look like for you, and again, this is gonna look different to person to person, and I can walk you through all of the variations in lever lengths, what I mean by that is how long is your upper leg versus your lower leg versus your torso, all of those ratios are going to have a significant impact on how you move. Are you going to be more glute dominant, more quad dominant, just feel awkward <laughs> and really being able to uh, navigate how to do a squat for you and to make sure your joints feel great so you can feel your muscles well, you can go low enough and anything else that you need to focus on. 
By doing a squat after your hip thrust, what we're able to do is, again, 90% of the time we tend to be weak on our glutes. So it allows us to make sure there's better flexion from our hips. We're pushing our hips back without a rounding of our lower back. Now, our goal with our squat is not to go as low as possible. Please get that out of your head. The two most, I guess, biggest misconceptions with a squat that I hear, even from personal trainers, because it's still somewhere in these textbooks, is try go as low as possible. That's not the goal. And don't let your knees go over your toe it's hardly reasonable to expect that most people are not able to squat. Unless you have a very short femur or upper leg, your knee will need to go over your toe. Don't believe me? If you're going to go up some stairs, try walk up stairs. Next time you walk up stairs, try walk up them without your knee going over your toe. Very hard to do so, right? The reason I bring that analogy up is because your body naturally has to find a center line. If you just fix your upper leg upright and you try push back at some point you're going to fall over because you don't have that center of gravity over your feet so unless you have a very short upper leg being able to let your knees travel over your toes is a very natural part of doing a squat okay so again technique wise there's so many aspects i can walk through here but from more foundationally what i would do a squat will be number four hey i hope you're really enjoying this episode uh, i wanted to take a quick second to say please reach out to me on social media some people worry about um interrupting me or sending me emails but i love to hear how these podcasts and videos are impacting you and what future content you'd really like to hear so if you could reach out to me and let me know how this podcast has helped or what you'd like us to dive into that'd be amazing and we'll make sure that we bring the most relevant content to you moving forward also if you know someone that you think this could really impact and benefit uh, they could listen to on their morning walk or their commute or when they're in the kitchen uh, then it'd be amazing if you can tag them in a post or simply share uh, this on spotify or wherever else you listen with them it makes a massive difference in making sure that we can serve and help as many people as we can uh, all right, let's get back to the episode. Awesome to have you here. And then last one here is going to be a simple plank. And the reason I've added this in here is really it brings a lot of conscious awareness to what muscles in that chain might be weak. Because for some of you, it might be the lower back. Some of you, you just feel it straight away in your core. Maybe it's your shoulders. Maybe it's hip flexors. Maybe it's something else that feels weak in that chain. So the reason I've got a plank here is it really ties the other four exercises together, right? Things like your squats and hip thrusts and even push-ups are going to be very core stabilizing in some form. So really doing core for the sake of just abs is not really the intention here. The goal here is more an awareness of how it ties this all together and a really nice exercise that certainly through the initial stages of weight training allow you to focus on something that you can see easily getting better over time. Maybe you do 15 seconds initially, then you go to 30, then you go 45. So it becomes a really easy way to track something because you're not having to worry about reps as well as weight, as well as tempos, as well as all these other things. You just have to hold a position for as long as you can. And it becomes a really nice and motivating step, certainly for the first month to eight weeks of your training, to focus on a simple exercise that's getting better over time. And I think approaching this through the mindset of what's going to keep you doing it long term, I think that really needs to be considered here. Okay, this first one here is your cable or dumbbell row, either of those, just a row type motion is going to be number one. Next one is going to be a push-up with an emphasis and focus on really retracting those shoulder blades in your, and focusing on keeping your back tight. Third one here is your hip thrust, waking up those glutes that are always weak. Number four is your squat and learning how to move for you, not just trying to go as low as possible or follow rules that don't actually work for your structure. And then lastly is a nice, simple plank. So 
uh, where that question comes in regards to what should I be doing as a beginner in weight training, we, a big question that came out of that and a lot of sort of subsidiary questions that came out of that was sets, reps, how much should I be doing? And again, I want to emphasize that all of this is focused around how we're moving. When we're weight training, whether it's a cable, it's a machine, it's a dumbbell, it's our body weight, they're all simply a tool to create stimulus on the muscle. And I emphasize that because the weight itself doesn't actually matter, it's the stimulus to the muscle. So if I get you to lift a dumbbell really fast 10 times, right, and it only takes 10 seconds, you only have a total time of 10 seconds of tension on that muscle. Whereas if we focus on slowing it down for four seconds, we lift for one and we hold for one. So we're doing six seconds times 10 reps. So it's now 60 seconds total uh, with that same weight. You're now getting six times as much tension on that muscle. And that's where my emphasis towards tempo and actually time under tension. So anywhere between 40 to 60 seconds is a fantastic place to start, right? Your rep count could be anywhere from eight reps to 12 reps, maybe 15 if you're doing them a little bit quicker, but I would emphasize towards the you know eight to 10 reps with a slow tempo, certainly the concentric or the lengthening of the muscle, right? If we're focusing on slowing the movement down, and in, in a lot of ways for, for, for some of our clients, we actually have uh, whole months focused on, I don't want you to count reps, I just want you to do 40 seconds or 60 seconds. And that can be a fantastic way to shift your perspective of what actually matters because completing 10 reps, your body doesn't know about 10 reps, it just knows how much tension and stimulus you're placing on that muscle. So what that allows is for you to focus in on what that muscle's doing, how it's feeling, and what you're ultimately now, consciously doing rather than just lifting and counting reps, right? That's an incredibly boring activity. Whereas the focusing on muscle can actually in a way be a, a, an almost meditative process of getting in tune with your body. And if you can build that skill, everything starts to feel easier, right? So the three key points I'm gonna give you here rather than sets and reps is going to be slow down the movement. All of you are going way too fast. You're trying to count reps. So focus on total time and very much slowing down the eccentric. Right, being able when you're lengthening the muscle. Okay, the second part here is hold the positions where you're weak. As we mentioned before, your body in its position where it's weakest is naturally going to try and move in some form of way to get other strong muscles to do the work. Right, that's what your body will naturally do. So, what you're trying to do is here is very unnatural to start with. So, you're going to feel awkward, it's going to feel like you, you're um, not sure what you're looking for. The only way that makes that harder is if you start speeding it up. Our body's trying to process more stuff at a faster rate. So slow it down, hold those positions until you feel that muscle. And that's why I'd really come back to the cable or dumbbell row here as our first example of really wrapping the shoulder blade back, holding that position there and really, you know, you can hold five, 10 seconds if you need to until you feel that muscle. Because if you just bounce out of that, you've got no hope of really feeling the right muscle. It's probably your shoulders, it's your traps, it's your bicep, rather than the muscle we're trying to train. So that emphasis on holding the position where you're weak, that might be the bottom of the squat or bottom of a, a push-up. It might be the very back of that row. And if you can hold those positions, you'll start to feel those muscles contra contract. And over time, that'll happen in five seconds, and then three seconds, and then one second. And then you can feel it without even putting the weight in your hands. Getting and building that skill of weight training allows you to be a lot safer, a lot more in control, and a lot more confident in what you're doing because you're getting that constant feedback. And the last one is going to be something that you really I don't think you expected me to add in here is focusing on your breathing when moving. Now, unless you're doing under six reps and you're really focusing on strength, 
most, if not all of your exercises, you should be able to breathe through your nose. And this is something I see not just with beginners, but with advanced uh, trainees as well, is that their breathing is terrible and it's massively impacting their performance, their recovery, and the ability to get the most out of a workout. So while going through these exercises and as you build through the exercises moving forward, is I want you to keep your mouth closed, breathe through your nose, and try to be as mindful of po as possible around when that intention to open your mouth and start breathing differently comes through. Because if you're doing a bicep curl or a shoulder press or a hip thrust or even a push-up, you should still be able to breathe that through your nose. And that will be something that over time you will need to build. And it will be, again, another focus that allows you to consciously think about the muscle breathing through your nose. I don't think you need to worry about pauses and holds of your breath uh, in certain positions here until you're getting up to heavier weights or even lower rep counts. But focusing on your breathing when moving will give you probably a couple extra reps in the, in the tank. It will keep a lower perceived exertion throughout that movement. And your recovery, your ability to bounce back between sets or even between workouts will be better, okay? So hopefully that gave you a nice little bonus around my key focus points around breathing, around moving, around what you're focusing on, and more around time under tension rather than simply rep counts becomes a really, really great place to start if you're a beginner to weight training or even if you're advanced or intermediate and you want to improve, these will be great places to start. Um, if this is something you want a bit more structure on, you want to get an awareness of what this looks like for you, I'm going to add the link to our brand new six-week workout reset. I've been working on this for weeks, and really this is the accumulation of the last 10 years of how I've moved, how I've coached, and how I've helped thousands of clients in this exact spot. So if you want to learn what this looks like, give you an exact plan on, on really to set the best foundation, uh, click the link below, check out that workout reset or any of the other free trainings that we give out. Uh, over the last year, uh, you know, decade uh, to really help you move forward with this. We put a lot of content out on exactly how to move. Uh, if you haven't checked out our YouTube yet, we've got hundreds and hundreds of videos walking you through exactly what to focus on, what muscle is working, and what adjustments to make for your individual structure. All of that, I'll add those in links below so you can check those out to really optimize how you move, whether it's home, it's home gym or gym. We can really set you up there. We've got your back. So hope that was helpful. Hopefully it gave you a couple of things to think about, and we'll see you in the next one. Bye. This episode was brought to you by The Body Reset, world leaders in health and performance coaching. If you love this episode, it would be a massive help if you just share with one person that you think would benefit. I'd also love to hear from you personally on social media or via email if I can help you personally. Until next time, remember, long-term change comes from self-compassion, and thanks for tuning in.